Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So I was looking back at some stories that I'd bookmarked from this year, and there was this one, this really good one about a bagpiper, and I I felt like I needed to share it with you. (laughs) This already sounds awful. I know, but all right, so this is from Glasgow, and it's late in the night, and people are on a commuter train. They're trying to get home from the pub or the office or wherever, and this guy just steps onto the car and starts wailing away on his bagpipes. Can you imagine this? I mean, they sound like one thing from a distance, but up close. So he's in a partying mood, and he genuinely wants to keep the party going, but, you know, using his bagpipes. So he starts playing a rousing rendition of Yellow Submarine. I mean, I guess that's sort of upbeat, but does everyone get into it? No, just the opposite. So <laughs> the chorus comes around and you think people are going to start breaking out singing and then everyone just keeps staring at him in total anger. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And the comments were brutal. One person said he'd rather opt for waterboarding than hear that noise again. But, you know, remembering this Piper's tale made me wonder, what are some of the most unusual sounds in history? What did the Big Bang sound like? Or Tyrannosaurus's roar? And what are some sounds worth blocking out? And that's what today's episode is all about. Let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikader. And on the other side of the soundproof glass, singing the hit song from The Bodyguard, that's our (laughs) friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. I really wish you could hear it, because Tristan sings like an angel, and you know, every time I hear that song, I will always love you. You you tear up, right? (laughs) No, but every time I hear it, I think about the fact that Saddam Hussein used it as his campaign song. Like, it's just so ridiculous to me. I know, that's one of my favorite facts of all time, though. I, I did look it up again recently, because I wanted to see the ads again. 
And the song he used was actually an Arabic cover by a pop star from Syria. So still still the same emotional impact, but slightly different. <laughs> well, I've already gotten us off track, or I guess Tristan's gotten us off track. <laughs> but, uh, well, I, I know our episode's all over the place. So today we're covering some of the strangest, loudest, and most irritating sounds in history. Where do you want to start? I think we should go back to the beginning. So I think we should start with the actual earliest sound in the universe. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little theoretical or uh, theological, I guess. And, you know, in Hinduism, there's that sound of Om that's supposed to be like the beginning, middle mm-hmm. and end of time sound. Like, uh, I mean, you hear it in yoga classes, too. But in Christianity, I'm guessing it's like when God flipped the light switch. Is that right? Well, before there was light, I think there was actually the sound of water sloshing, if I remember correctly. You know, since there's water and earth referenced in that <laughs> darkness. But I was actually taking more of a scientific slant here. I I was talking about the (laughs) earliest sounds in the universe, as in, you know, the Big Bang. Yeah, that makes more sense. Although the word Big Bang already seems descriptive, right? I'm guessing it just sounds like a massive crash. Well, that's what I thought, too, and I think most people would assume. But the truth is actually weirder than that. So there's a physicist from the University of Washington. His name is John Kramer. And back in 2001, he wrote this article that described the sound of the Big Bang. You know, the physics here is above my pay grade, but according to the Atlantic article, quote, during the first 100 to 700,000 years after the Big Bang, the universe was far denser than the air on Earth, which means that the sound waves could actually move through it. Mm. So he published this piece about how the universe kept ringing in this slow, low frequency way until the universe grew to, you know, these massive proportions and it stopped making the hum. And the sound would have been too low frequency for human ears to pick up on. But then a couple years later, this was in 2003, I think, a mom who was helping her 11-year-old with a fifth grade project asked if there's a recording of it anywhere. And when Kramer responded no, he then decided to synthesize it for them. I mean, that's awesome that we know what the Big Bang sounds like because of a fifth grader. And it's also crazy to me that the universe is, what, like 14 billion years old? Yeah. And we have indications of what it actually sounded like from the start. I mean, that's insane. But what's it actually sound like? Well, so like you, I assume the Big Bang was going to sound terrifically big or powerful. But as our friend Lucas Riley puts it, it sounds a little bit more like a motorcycle fart. (laughs) I both don't know what that means. And also, it seems gross. Yes. (laughs) But what did it sound like to you? Well, Kramer has a few versions up on his site, and they're worth checking out. They range from 20 seconds to even eight minutes long. And They're all pretty similar. So to me, it sounded somewhere between like a video game character dying or like an old school computer powering down or something like that. If I don't know if that makes any sense or or just maybe we'll go with motorcycle fart. (laughs) All these noises. I don't know what they mean, but uh, you do have a link to the sound, right? So, I I mean, I I think we should put a link of it to uh, Facebook and then we can ask listeners to describe it and we'll send T-shirts to like the funniest three descriptions. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. But now I'm curious, how did Kramer make this sound for human ears? Like, I think you said it was too low frequency for us to actually be able to hear. Well, that's a good question. So from the way I understand it, he used data from satellites and and pulled something called a cosmic microwave background. The site Futurity.org refers to it as a fossilized fingerprint of the Big Bang. Hmm. And then he made some calculations and pulled the data into a sound file, but You know, to create something we could hear, Kramer had to boost the frequency a hundred septillion times. You know how big that is? That's (laughs) one followed by 29 zeros. Uh 
And so when he played it in his office for the first time, his sheepdogs ran in and started howling. They were not <laughs> fans of this. Maybe they're creationists. <laughs> I love that. But uh, it reminds me of when I started playing the violin in third grade, and I was so awful. <laughs> but when I screeched and played, my pup would just run and face me and they'd just howl along. And I think both my family and my dog were so relieved when I finally quit the violin. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> but... I love this idea of cataloging sounds, and we've got the Big Bang on file now, which is awesome. And there's actually a guy who's gone around New Jersey cataloging all the sounds of New Jersey for future generations. This just sounds like a joke, though. Is this true? <laughs> yeah, it's real. His name's uh, Bernie Wagonblast. Which... That's just a joke, right? <laughs> That's also true. Okay. But he's visiting every county, trying to capture something that feels rare about each place. So he'll, like, tape the rumble of the King Dakar roller coaster as mm-hmm. it's going up, or uh, the sound inside this old covered bridge, or even, like, the music of ice skates cutting and gliding across the ice at an old historic rink. Huh. Yeah, it's really beautiful and poetic, and it's like a sound library of New Jersey. But there's this even more ambitious project I want to talk about, and it's called the Sonic Wonders of the World. It's from this uh, British acoustic engineer named Trevor Cox, and it's kind of like these beautiful sonic destinations that are worth visiting. That sounds like a lot of fun. So so what all is on the list? Well, well, one of the first things I saw was the singing sands in California in the Mojave Desert. So according to CNN, when you slide down the sand on your backside— that unusual sand makes a, quote, deep parping sound resembling propeller aircraft or a sousaphone accident. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Cox calls it more of a weird droning. So does this have to do with, like, the shape of the sand or the size of the sand or yeah, what? Yeah, that's right. So it has to do both with the shape of the dune and the size of the sand grains, apparently. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, so what else does he talk about? Well, some of it is man-made sounds. Like, there's some acoustic wonders. There's this uh, chirping Mayan pyramid. Where when you clap your hands, it echoes back with the sound of this sacred Mayan bird. It's pretty awesome, and it was used for religious ceremonies. But there's also a place in Karnataka, India, where I've actually been. It's called Gold Gumbas, and uh, there's this massive whispering gallery. Hmm. You can speak into a column on one side and hear the message on the other side. And if you speak in a different part, the dome kind of echoes the sounds over and over. And the way it was described in the article was it's almost like a 1960s horror flick where there are all these like layered sampled sounds just echoing over each other. Wow. But it's actually way less terrifying and more like, uh, I don't know, like the open swim at your YMCA. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little different. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite thing he talks about is the musical Road in California, which has the William Tell and Lone Ranger song like grooved into the pavement. And as Cox and CNN put it, it is a very bad rendition of the William Tell Overture, <laughs> like someone gargling with water in an adjacent room. But it does make you laugh. Wow. I mean, I do love the musical highways and runways. I, I know we covered in a previous episode the one at Disney, you know, where they, they when the when the plane goes over, do you hear when you wish upon a star? Or I mm-hmm. guess it's as they, they land, I think. But now that we've covered one sound no one has heard and a bunch of sounds you travel to hear, I think we should probably cover some terrible sounds that nobody wants to hear. (laughs) So I'm a little hesitant about what that means, but I'll go with it. But let's pause for a quick break first. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. 
AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. So before the break, you were teasing that we get into some awful sounds. Well, I found this list from 2007, and it's of the worst sounds in the world. <laughs> okay, so 2007. I, I'm going to uh, put myself back in the mindset of when Ratatouille was in theaters and that show Chuck was on the air, I, I guess. I about <laughs> Chuck. I'm not sure you have to think that deeply about it. but So this is a British list, so, so most of the sounds are pretty similar as the ones that we might think of here. And there are things like feedback from a microphone or crying babies. And I guess maybe they knew about your violin playing you were talking about because <laughs> poorly played violin is actually number six on the list here. But what about something like uh, nails on a chalkboard? Honestly, just saying that phrase gives me the shivers and makes me uncomfortable. You know, surprisingly, that wasn't on there. I mean, I guess the closest thing to that they have here, let's see, uh, the train scraping on the track. So that's on <laughs> there. But there are a few on here that I actually didn't see. Now, okay, all right, this feels a little bit like British Family Feud, but I'm still going to make you take a guess. So what are some of the other top 10 worst sounds in the world? <laughs> in England specifically? I think anywhere. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd have to say throwing up is probably top of the list. Nicely done. Survey says that's actually number one. <laughs> didn't expect you to nail that. So, I mean, vomiting is definitely a sound people would love to block out, but... There are others on here that are pretty hilarious. So squeaky seesaw comes in at number five. <laughs> I don't even think that's that annoying of a noise right above violin. It's on there. Whoopee cushion comes in at number seven. I don't know what makes people think about these things. Number eight is an argument from a soap opera. <laughs> these are so specific. It is. Well, the funniest thing on the list, though, is number 10, Tasmanian Devil. What? I mean, that makes no sense. How did that many people in England even know what a Tasmanian devil sounds like? <laughs> All right. Well, here's the strange thing, though. I mean, I had no idea you were going to bring up Trevor Cox earlier. He's the guy that's been collecting sounds from around the world. Mm -hmm. But oddly enough, he's also responsible for this survey. Huh. Basically, he and some colleagues took 34 repellent sounds and they played them for a group of men and women. And part of the reason he did this is that Cox has been trying to figure out what drives such strong emotions and reactions, you know, to various sounds. Mm -hmm. And also the engineers are trying to find out if there are ways to re-engineer these sounds to be less offensive, I guess. So did they find out anything interesting? Well, there were some differences in gender. 
You know, women, for instance, tended to find a baby's crying a little less jarring than men. But Hmm. I think what's interesting is how some of the things you'd think would annoy people were far lower on the list. Howling cats and things like snoring were far less annoying to most people than Tasmanian devils. (laughs) Snoring ranked number 26 on the list. That's such an annoying sound. (laughs) I mean, you'd obviously take snoring over the sound of someone vomiting. That's true. That's true. But uh, this idea of re-engineering sounds is pretty interesting. So what does that mean exactly? Well, I don't know what Cox is thinking about exactly, but actually there is this ignoble study about nails and chalkboards. So these scientists isolated the high-pitched frequencies as well as the middle and low frequencies. And then they tried to figure out what made people cringe. And they realized it's actually not the high frequencies, but actually the middle ones that cause the hair to go up on your neck. So, Hmm. you know, in a movie, taking out or reducing that middle frequency would be much easier to watch. All right, but two last quick discoveries about this before we move on. So number one, if you're given warning about someone scraping a chalkboard before you do it, you actually react way, way worse than if you just hear the sound. That's actually pretty funny because I I heard that behavioral economist Dan Ariely talk about removing bandages and how if someone tells you or warns you that they're going to do it and then gently pulls the bandages off your body, you've got this higher tolerance for pain versus the idea of just ripping them off and getting it over with. And it's funny to think about what your mind can and can't handle knowing in advance. That's pretty interesting. Well, here, here's the other thing I was going to say. So scientists have wondered whether our aversion to that nails on a chalkboard sound is actually because it's the same frequency as some primate warning calls. Oh, that's crazy. So primate warnings and nails on a chalkboard are actually emitted at the same frequency? Yeah, that's right. So it, it might accidentally be triggering this danger instinct that's in all of us. <laughs> well, I'm certainly glad that part of the show is over. And I know we want to talk about earworms, too, which are the songs that get stuck in your head. But before we do that, how about we have a little palate cleanser of cute facts? <laughs> all right, sure. So what do you have for us? So uh, did you know that baby turtles all hatch at the same time because they're actually communicating through their eggshells? Oh, so it's like synchronized hatching. That That is pretty cute. Good mm-hmm. job, Mango. <laughs> yeah, it gives them a better chance of survival. And actually, I've got another one for you. So did you know that scientists at Georgia Tech have created software for barns and hen houses that tries to create happier chickens? It does this all by listening to their clucks and squawks. Apparently, you can tell whether a chicken is stressed or too cold or a whole host of other things by listening to a group's clucking. And this smart barn software actually listens to the sound feed of chickens and adjusts things like the lighting or temperature or whatever makes chickens a little happier in their coops. Apparently, it makes for more eggs and plumper chickens. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, why don't we move from eggs to earworms? And as you know, earworms are those catchy songs and refrains that get stuck in your head. And sometimes they're there for a few hours. Sometimes, honestly, for me, it feels like they'll stay there for days and days. But Mm -hmm. The founding director of the Music, Mind, and Brain program at Goldsmiths in London, her name is Lauren Smith, well, she's been studying this phenomenon since 2009. But earworms feel like they've been around for longer than that, right? Well, the phenomenon is a whole lot older, and there's a great New Yorker piece by uh, Maria Konnikova. You know, we actually had her on the program before. Oh, yeah, she was so great. She did that uh, wonderful podcast, The Grift. Yeah, it was a really interesting one. But in this piece specifically, she references this Russian musical prodigy named Nicholas Slanimsky. And he wrote a book in the 1940s all about creating musical patterns that, quote, hook the mind and force mimicry and repetition. And I don't know if he's exactly talking about earworms here, but he is talking about catchy music. And Frank Zappa and John Coltrane, among others, were influenced by Slanemsky's work. So the term earworm then gets coined back in the 1970s, and this happens in Germany. But 
even that has some old roots. Konnikova writes about the old folk music that was known to stick in your craw like, quote, a piper's maggot. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds gross. Which is all to say that earworms have a long history. But it was only with Lauren Smith in 2009 that they really studied what makes an earworm. So what does make an earworm? Well, part of it has to do with hearing a song a few times. But another part is that the song itself normally has notes that are you know very close together. So you're talking about like musical intervals here. Yeah, that's right. A, a lot of half steps or whole steps between a lot of the notes. But also, you know, the notes getting held for a long time and, and then it repeats. So if you're thinking about something like, you know, the White Stripes Seven Nation Army, where the song is repeating that like bum, 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 bum. And th those mm -hmm. notes are all right there next to each other on the keyboard. Hmm. I mean, that's both fascinating and terrifying to me that, like, Justin Bieber or Fifth Harmony songwriters or whoever know exactly what makes a song stick in our heads. Why is that terrifying? It seems wonderful. Because <laughs> I don't need any more of them in my head. <laughs> like, they're already there. But do we have any insight on why songs catch or, like, why they pop up when we don't expect them to? Well, we don't know for sure, but there is one hypothesis that's pretty interesting. And it's the idea that people either get an earworm because it matches their mental state or because it's helping you change your mental state. So as this article points out, if you're feeling super sluggish, you might hear a song that revs you up or alternately, you, you know, one that can calm you down if the situation demands it. And that's amazing that like your body is your mind's regulating your body. That right. Way. Yeah. Right. So one last question on this before we move on. How do you get rid of them? Like I, I'd heard the best way was to just sing yourself another catchy song. But that seems like a terrible cure to me. <laughs> Well, distracting yourself is one way, but the better way, according to researchers, is just to belt the song out. Like if you sing it, your mind gets over it or huh. at least gets closer to being over it. And then you can actually move on. Crazy. Well, I want to talk about some of the more weird, funny sounds. But before we do, let's go to a break. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome 
Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Now, we're talking about some of the biggest, strangest, and most irritating sounds in the universe. And basically, a whole lot of noise you'd love to block out. And listeners, while we did mention this in the episode description, both this episode and the one we did a few episodes back on the art of trash talking were made possible by Beats by Dre and their noise-canceling headphones. And just for the record, Dr. Dre did not personally collaborate or participate in this episode, but we do look forward to working with him in the future. Right, of course. Well, so Mango, before we get back to it, you wanted to talk a little bit about sound in history, right? Yeah, so I, I was reading this story at the Huffington Post by David Hendy about the history of sound, and Nolan pointed it to me, but uh, it's filled with all sorts of great stories. And one of them's like how medicine changed when stethoscopes were invented. So doctors have been listening to the body for clues forever, you know, heartbeats and pulse and whatever, but mm-hmm. suddenly there were all these gurgles and rattles and hisses that they could now hear. And there was this new level of sophistication, and it made the body so much more wondrous and opened up all these new mysteries and ideas through advances in sound. That's pretty cool. So what else? Well, there was a bit on how the early phonographs and gramophones weren't really exciting to people because of their ability to play music. It was really more because they were thought of as these recording devices. Like, they were a way that you could preserve your dying uncle's voice and these words of wisdom for posterity. Instead of, I I don't know, just like a way of playing your Power of Love, Best of the 80s Power Ballads album. (laughs) So the article had these interesting things I hadn't realized about sound in history. But the most fascinating thing to me was just how music has been used to control people. All right. Well, you'll have to explain this to me. What do you mean? So in one section, the article talked about town bells in history and how they were used for the whole town to know, I don't know, when to get up in the morning or when to sleep. But they also let you know when to pray or when to take up arms or when to do dinner. And this all sounds so harmless. But uh, as the article put it, it actually tightens both the secular and religious authorities hold over the daily life of all within hearing distance. Mm. Yeah, so that's one part of it. But in terms of things like music, it also works, right? Like how background music is often organized to this rhythm that either tries to calm you down or get us to work harder or eat faster or buy more. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about that at restaurants where they don't want you lingering or or that old story of the mall parking lot. And when I think it was in Australia where they were playing Barry Manilow and music like that just to keep <laughs> the kids from loitering there at night. All right, well, I know we've got a fact off to get to, but before we do, why don't we each tell one story of an annoying sound in history? Do you want to do this? Yeah, I'm for it. All right, why don't you go first? How about one of the best and worst venues to be a performer, which was Shakespeare's Globe Theater? Shakespeare's Globe Theater? I mean, you get to work with Shakespeare, perform (laughs) for royalty. Why would this be a terrible place? Honestly, it was because the crowds were so awful. I, I mean, the sound is only part of the experience. And for the actors, they were constantly under the threat of, like, having rotten vegetables thrown in their direction, you know, if the rowdy crowd didn't like their work. But the smell was a huge assault on the senses. So according to LiteraryTraveler.com, the penny seats in the yard, which went to the folk known as, uh, I don't know, the groundlings or sometimes the stinkards, it was full of drunks and they were just waiting and standing ankle deep in mud. And according to the site, because the crowds were so thick, Like the bathroom breaks for men just meant aiming between your shoes. Oh, my God. That's so gross. (laughs) I know. It wasn't exactly hygienic, but you get what you pay for. And for the actors, it was even worse because in addition to all this stink, the acoustics were miserable. Like the crowds would be yelling and chatting and fighting. And so just to get the stories communicated, the actors would have to over-exaggerate their gestures and like boom their lines, which 
totally changes how you'd imagine like a Shakespeare play if you're thinking about Hamlet just yelling to be or not to be over this noisy crowd. <laughs> it is pretty funny, though, just to imagine that. <laughs> just always angry. I mean, I could see why an actor would want to tune that out. All right. Well, my story is about music being used by interrogators. I'm sure you remember how the FBI played Tibetan monk chants outside the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, you know, just to drive them crazy. Mm -hmm. But it isn't the only case of them doing this. Apparently in 2003, the BBC reported that the U.S. was blasting songs from Metallica, Skinny Puppy, and, of course, the theme song to Barney to get people (laughs) to talk. How bad is it that, like, Barney gets thrown into that mix? Somehow that feels like even crueler. Yeah, I just don't think that should be allowed. Well, but according to Newsweek, 24 hours of it will drive someone insane. 24 (laughs) hours? I'm thinking like 30 minutes of this and I'd be ready to talk. That's definitely a sound you want to block out. But, you know, the story got weirder because when the band Skinny Puppy heard about this, they realized the government owed them royalties for playing their music. (laughs) So they sent the Department of Defense a $600,000 bill for royalties. Actually, it was... 666,000 because, I, you know, I, I guess they were trying to make a point here. That's funny and pretty cavalier. But now that we've gotten a little warmed up with the back and forth, why don't we start the fact off? All right, I'm for it. Well, we knew we'd be talking about some terrible sounds, so we agreed in advance that we would keep this one focused on, you know, maybe something a little happier. So we're going to do a cute animal edition. Are you still up for this? Yeah, that's right. All right, well, let's do it. So I know we both watched that David Attenborough clip on YouTube about the lyrebird. Mm-hmm. It's amazing because in it, like, this bird imitates all these sounds like a car alarm and a cell phone or even a chainsaw in the wild. And the doc makes it seem like the lyrebirds picked up those sounds from, I don't know, developers invading the forest. But the real reason the bird on camera could actually make those sounds was that it had been living in captivity at the zoo. Oh, okay. So apparently the bird named Chuck had overheard construction on the new panda enclosure, and that's how he added all this, like, hammering and drilling and saw sounds to his repertoire. That's still incredible, though, that they can do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. Well, did you know that dolphins actually don't have vocal cords? So when they're squeaking and chirping, they're actually doing it through a lip-shaped tissue in their nose, and, and these are called phonic lips. <laughs> that's super weird. Speaking of water critters, did you know that walruses come with bells and whistles? They make a bell sound underwater, not from their vocal cords, but instead from these inflatable sacs called pharyngeal pouches. It's actually kind of beautiful. Huh. Well, you know what isn't beautiful, Mango? And that's the sound of a koala. (laughs) They might look like bears, but they actually grunt more like pigs. (laughs) So this isn't exactly an animal, but I did want to talk about Wolverine and the sound his claws make in the X-Men movies. You're right. He is not an animal. (laughs) But to make the sound of him flashing and retracting those adamantium claws, the sound designer used the sound of a knife being drawn from a sheath, right? That makes sense. But because the sound didn't make it seem like the claws were emerging and, and then slipping back into Wolverine's flesh enough, the sound designer mixed it with the juicy sound of a chicken carcass being pulled apart. Oh. So you get like a little squishing noise in there, too, if you listen closely. Ugh. Isn't that gross? It's weird just saying squishing noise kind of makes me react. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of movies, I've got a great one from Jurassic Park. And obviously, it's hard to figure out exactly what a T-Rex roar would have sounded like. So the sound designer sampled and blended a number of different sounds. Everything from a baby elephant crying to a hissing tiger to... An alligator's gurgle, apparently. I don't know exactly what that is, but that's what it says. 
but they all got slowed down and mixed together to make for this what they considered a realistic T-Rex roar. That's pretty amazing. And it is better than a motorcycle fart, I guess. <laughs> I think you're probably right about that. Uh, also, to make the dinosaur's breathing sound, the engineers modified the sound of air coming out of a whale's blowhole. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. And while none of those are sounds I'd seek out, I am sufficiently impressed that I'm going to crown you this week's winner. Well, thank you very much. And and thanks to Beats by Dre for sponsoring this episode. If there are some great noises from the natural world or history that you'd love to share with us, remember, you can always email us, parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com. You can always reach us on our 24-7 Fact Hotline. That's 1-844-PT-GENIUS. And, of course, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, too. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.